Welcome to Into Security, Info Security Magazine's podcast. Hello and welcome to Into Security, the Info Security Magazine podcast. I'm Dan Raywood, Contributing Editor. And I'm Michael Hill, Acting Editor. Delighted you can join us for this podcast, uh, sponsored by Akamai, providers of intelligent threat protection that comes with over 300 security researchers. Learn more at Akamai, that's A-K-A-M-A-I, dot com slash security. Akamai, intelligent security starts at the edge. So we're going to kick things off then with a look back at some of the hot news recently. Uh, Dan? Yeah, this week we saw the introduction of a um, proposed new government law here in the UK uh, designed to improve IoT security. Um, the, the idea is this is going to be um, a voluntary law, effectively, and it will build on the voluntary code of practice that was introduced last year, which is intended to force manufacturers to build secure protections into products at the design stage. Now, as I said, it's going to be voluntary. Um, the plans have been built as another milestone in the government's efforts to make the UK uh, a global leader in online safety. Um, the requirements will be as follows. The IoT device passwords are unique, can't be reset to factory defaults that manufacturers provide a vulnerable disclosure policy and public point of contact, and also manufacturers state the minimum length of time during which the device will receive security updates. So quite a lot of heavy infosec elements there. Uh, it was welcomed by Tech UK. Uh, their CEO, Julian David, said it was an important first step in creating flexible and purposeful regulation. Um, I think it's quite interesting because we see a lot of regulation of IoT, uh, or calls for regulation of IoT. Um, uh, so it's quite a step forward, but I think that the problem here is it's, it's voluntary. So it's, in a way, to enforce it might be seen as too draconian, um, but to keep it mandatory might seem, some people say, well, what's the worth of it then? Um, also, as we see with IoT, it's common for devices to be sold with connectivity built in, but it's a feature, for example. So. If you look at connected cars, they're not all about connectivity. It's like it's a, it's a thing that it can do. Also, look at, for example, the My Friend Kayla doll that Pentest Partners did some research on. The connectivity part of it was a thing it could do. So I think that's going to be the concern here is for those devices that aren't, for example, wearables or things that you're in your home, which we think of as very sort of a, a bit more industrial IoT, as we say, um, it's going to be an interesting one whether they actually try to comply with it. So quite a big story for this week and something we'll kind of keep an eye on going forward. <coughs> yeah, absolutely. IoT, Dan, is one of those things that keeps coming up in the news. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, Another bit of news that, uh, that's broke recently comes from Europol, um, claiming victory after it announced the shutdown of two more dark web marketplaces and it made several arrests. So the law and enforcement organisation said German police shut uh, Wall Street Market, which it claimed was the world's second lar largest uh, dark web market. While earlier this year, Finnish customs put pay to Silgati, a.k.a. the Valhalla marketplace. It was revealed that German police uh, arrested three suspects and uh, seized 500 Euro, uh, euros in cash, along with six-digit sums of cryptocurrency, vehicles, computers, storage device and other evidence. Uh, US authorities arrested two alleged major drug dealers operating on the site. Um, commenting on that news was Europol... Executive Director uh, Catherine Dubol, who said these two investigations show the importance of law enforcement cooperation at an international level and demonstrate that illegal activity on the dark web is not as anonymous as criminals may think. Um, uh, it was added here in the news, it's, it's, it's unclear whether the law enforcement activity was linked to the recent news that the site's admins were uh, attempting an exit uh, scam. 
Interesting, Dan. It's not the first uh, movements we've seen from from Europol and other um, enforcement organisations looking to the dark web now, looking to close down these kind of marketplaces that do seem to come up. Again, just reiterating, you know, a, a, a further crackdown on illegal activity with um, attention turning to the dark web. It seems. Yeah, I think when you get the, mar- the marketplaces, one shuts down, it, another one springs up, though. <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see what comes with that. Um, yeah, and another story I picked up actually was um, a piece of research. This came from ESET and Kingston Technology. Now they found that 55% of businesses still use unencrypted uh, removable USB devices. Uh, that survey of over 500 British business leaders also found that 62% uh, admit to uh, seeing USB devices in unsecured locations such as desks, drawers and uh, office spaces, uh, open plan offices. Um, ESET cybersecurity specialist Jake Moore was quoted as saying that using unencrypted devices means anyone can access personal data without security clearances. Of course, that data has to be on the USB stick in the first place. And this poses significant concerns for uh, firm security if they don't have process in place to ensure their data is safe. I mean, what, what kind of got me about this was I'm quite surprised that people still use USBs versus you know file transfer systems, cloud storage, collaboration tools. Uh, also, Office 365 enables quite large files to be transferred these days. So yeah, USBs, I don't know how often they're used. Now, I say this, I was at an event yesterday uh, where I was given a USB stick. Um, I haven't plugged it in yet. <laughs> I don't quite know what's on it. So um, thanks very much to the company who did give me that. Um, I do keep a few, actually. I do have a secure one, which um, I use to kind of back up a lot of my work on, which is really helpful to count. Obviously, I lost it, then it'd be a massive pain. But uh, I'll keep it separate from my laptop, which is, and I've got things in file storage here at our offices. But it's quite an interesting one, because we read maybe eight, nine years ago about a lot of lost USBs causing data breaches. And I don't think we see these anymore. But the fact that yeah, businesses are still using unencrypted ones would suggest that they're actually kind of moving things around. Um, I guess moving from one laptop to another is one thing, but if you're using it as your permanent storage, then uh, maybe look for a more secure option. And it was recently uh, World Password Day. Obviously, passwords are uh, a topic that continually comes up in the industry uh, for good and bad. Interesting bit of research uh, was released recently by One Login, uh, which actually found that UK IT managers are exposing their organisations to, to further risk by failing to adhere to best practices around password security. Now, they actually uh, did a poll of around 300 IT decision makers and revealed a worrying gap between perception and reality. Uh, apparently, 98% of respondents had uh, company guidelines in place to protect passwords, and a similar number, around about 95%, claimed such measures were adequate. Um, but, however, the research also found several shortcomings. For example, two-thirds, so 66%, admitted they don't check employee passwords against common credential lists, and even more, 78%, don't check for password complexity. Further to that, just 53% require single sign-on, and less than half require um, numbers and upper and lowercase characters. Uh, interesting, Dan, that, mm. that was released around you know, Password Security Day, Seems to be that there's still a lot of confusion or, 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 or failures around password security within within the enterprise. There is, and it it, it comes down to usability. I think if if the if the password is the best way you can use to secure something, then people are going to use that, and and that's just the way we've been brought up. I think is 
it's a generational shift thing. I don't think anything's going to change anything like that. And I think the recent research also came out from um, NCSC said I think one, two, three, four, five, six is still the most common, which wasn't surprising. Mm. Um, a bit like you know this this research here, <laughs> you're going to find more things like this. But uh, yeah, we'll do another World Password Day in 12 months' time. No doubt we'll see much difference. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where it goes with passwords and the kind of developing multi-factor authentication that seems to be needed to go along with it now. Okay, so there's a whistle-stop tour of some of our top news stories recently, but now we're going to have a few words from our sponsor, Akamai. This year, we've taken a month-by-month journey, diving deeper into the stories behind the stories of 2018. From that record-breaking February attack to threats like credential stuffing and ever-present phishing attempts, these all remain critical pieces to the security landscape we face as we look ahead to 2019. And looking ahead is exactly what we'll be doing, evolving with threats as threats evolve. Fantastic, some great words there from our sponsor Akamai. Okay, so we've had a look at some of the news. Now we're going to have a look at one of the top trends doing the rounds at the moment, and that is today, credential stuffing. Uh, been a lot of reports over the last uh, months about credential stuffing, about it having a big impact on, on companies, and it's actually considered right now quite a top threat. So what is it? Credential stuffing is essentially the use of automated tools to crack open accounts using stolen passwords. Kind of a brute force attack which relies on the staggeringly large volumes of breached usernames and passwords flooding the dark web today. Um, and actually, uh, some news that, that, that did come out recently uh, regarding credential stuffing that came from Akamai. Uh, they found that credential stuffing is costing firms uh, f- um, $4 million each year, um, according to their research. Uh, they commissioned uh, alongside, uh, they worked alongside the Parliament Institute to interview uh, nearly 550 IT security professionals in the region who are familiar with these types of attacks on organisations. Uh, it found that companies are experiencing an average of 11 credential stuffing attempts each month, uh, with each attack targeting 1,041 user accounts. Um, very interesting, that you know, mm. 11 credential stuffing a- attacks each month uh, seems pretty high. It does, yeah, and again, like you said, that each attack targeting uh, over 1,000 user accounts. Um, the, the cost is quite interesting, though. Four million uh, based on the impact of the attacks. I guess that's... Uh, I guess that's maybe like a sort of a DDoS effect. Then it, it, it's hitting the uh, the application, causing it to go down. A lot of customers, yeah. If it's successful, I suppose, and uh, the extra involvement of IT security, one point two million. So yeah, it, it's an, I mean it's a lot because it seems very targeted credential stuffing. There's a lot of, of loose data, shall we say, on the dark web that you can use, mm-hmm. and you can use those against these applications. So yeah, it, it's something I guess people probably haven't really thought of about now. People thought about phishing and. Uh, you know, sort of dodgy remote access, but generally this is quite a tricky one to, for companies to deal with because they're going to have to keep pretty aware of what's going on. Yeah, I mean, Akamai did did note in their uh, in their research that complexity appears to be hampering efforts to contain credential stuffing. For example, surveyed companies had an average of twenty six point five operational customer facing websites for cyber criminals to target via automated bot attacks. Does seem that again that yeah that 
complexity is an issue that um, enterprises are, are struggling to deal with. Um, just add, add to that, even more account takeover opportunities are presented by by uh, multiple login types across de uh, desktops, mobile web browsers, third parties, and mobile app users, uh, according to Akamai. So it seems you know just 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 the busyness and and and, and the sheer complexity of an organisation in modern organisation now is making it more uh, difficult to deal with this threat. Yeah, I think the wide um, the wider amount of, of, of surface is quite a big deal, and um, I guess the challenge here is only a third, thirty five percent, so they have good visibility into such attacks, um, while um, thirty six percent almost the same so they're able to quickly detect and remediate so somewhere around that there's, there's a sort of a 30 percent who are I'm not, not so sure I guess but um, the other statistic here from Akamai 88 uh, percent of respondents agreed it's difficult to differentiate real employees from imposters because if they're using genuine credentials you're going to find it quite hard to pick one from the other. Mm. Yeah I think that's one of the big issues with, with, with credentials stuffing I mean obviously you know with the, the amount of credentials available on the dark web is uh, well extremely large numbers now readily available and like you say how does a how does a service or a company differentiate from a legitimate user to someone who is malicious if they're using the correct login and, and password username very difficult yeah. um, I think it does show a bit of a trend of um, cyber criminals looking to, to use information and weaponize data you know it looks like they're they're, they're going on the dark web they're, they're getting hold of all of these um, pieces of data and looking to use them in, in further attacks. Uh, a very interesting kind of development in, in the whole kind of brute forcing uh, attack scenario. Yeah, definitely. And that's something that's pretty, that's not really new, but th this seems like quite a step forward. So like I said, that 88% that saying it's difficult to differentiate is, is a real problem for the wider industry. Mm. Okay, so that's credential stuffing then and, and a few uh, uh, bits of research around it. But in terms of looking to defend against credential stuffing, a couple of um, takeaway pieces of advice here. One is obviously good password management. We mentioned World Password Day and issues around that earlier. Um, but that's often the easiest and most simple way to prevent such attacks occurring. Uh, so obviously avoid reusing the same passwords across um, devices or adding or add another layer of security by using multi-factor authentication. And also look for browser plugins which can be used to alert users if they input credentials detecting data breaches to limit further compromise. Um, the onus isn't just on the individuals concerned, organisations also have a duty to ensure they're implementing sufficient protection measures. Okay, so that's credential stuffing then. So we've got a few minutes left for this podcast. We're going to have a look now at what's uh, new with InfoSecurity and what, what we're doing at the moment. Uh, we've been hard at work on the Q2 uh, print issue. Uh, so that should be available uh, now you're listening to this podcast um, so you, hopefully you've got a copy of that or you're due to get a copy of that and you can enjoy it some really great features in there on credential stuffing we've also had a look at the uh, impact of neurodiversity in cybersecurity and uh, examined the uh, security risks surrounding the merger and acquisition process yeah, and also in May, look out for the second version of the State of the Cybersecurity Report. This has been keeping me busy for the last three months, so um, hopefully you'll get a chance to read that, download it. Um, I'm also going to be presenting on that, both at InfoSecurity Europe, which is coming up in early June, and at SteelCon, which is held in Sheffield in uh, mid-July. So hopefully you have an opportunity to get a bit more discussion on that. But uh, yeah, we've been talking to people about what the trends are in cybersecurity, so we'll be revealing the top trends in that report. Yeah, and you mentioned InfoSecurity Europe there, Dan. Obviously, we're only a few weeks away, so we'll be busy over the next few weeks preparing for that event. 
and we'll obviously be on, on site in full force with the, the full uh, magazine team. We'll have a stand and we'll be doing a bunch of things content-wise covering uh, the event. What are you looking forward to most about the event coming up, Dan? Um, we worked out earlier on, it's my 11th InfoSec, so um, I don't know really at the moment. We're kind of at the early stage. We're going to be doing some live um, stream panels like we have done in the last few years, so it'll actually be hosted on our website. Um, one I'm currently pulling together is about the, uh, the current state of ransomware. There was some research published at the start of the year by a few vendors actually, sort of su suggesting that ransomware is taking a bit of a downturn. This is down to several factors, and we're seeing more banking trojans and things like that. So I, um, we're hopefully going to be pulling a panel together to talk about that. So do keep an eye on that. We, at this stage, I don't quite know who's going to be on it, um, but um, I'll hopefully going to push ahead and do that. Yeah, no, so. it's going to be a great event. There'll be lo lots to uh, see and, and read from us. So we look forward to bringing you all of that content in a few weeks time. Okay, we're going to have to look to wrap things up there for this podcast then. So again, a massive thank you to Akamai, providers of intelligent threat protection that comes with over 300 security researchers. Learn more at akamai.com security. Akamai Intelligent Security starts at the edge. A uh, big thank you to Akamai for sponsoring uh, this podcast. And until next time, we will uh, end it there. Welcome to Into Security, Info Security Magazine's podcast.